Looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, I can kind of sing. <laughs> I thought I'd start out with that because that's what we're going to be talking about. Did you know, statistically, that 30% of divorced women knew before their wedding day it was the wrong guy? Stay tuned. And while you're settling in with your cup of coffee, I always have one, you know that. Right now, if you haven't hit the subscribe button, do it right now, please. It really matters. It's that red button. Just hit it. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. So before we get started and I make the introduction of my guest today, I just want to remind you that if you as a leader, as an emerging leader, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, if you really want to make your mark and make it count in business, let me tell you, it takes two things. You've got to have great influence and impact. And how do you do that? That's what my business work is about. Showing up, that's your presence. How do you show up in front of people? Your clients, your employees, even yourself when you look in the mirror. That's your communication skills. That's what you say, how you say it. Yes, it has to do with how you present yourself visually too, and even your online digital, digital stamp. The other part is your brand. That's the internal part, the real who you are, that authentic self. And you know authenticity is what this show is all about. If you want to know more, please just email me, Valerie at ValerieAndCompany.com. I'd love to add you to my client list. All right, let's get started. You know that my partner uh, sponsor is Gems of Jaipur, beautiful jewelry from India, made in Jaipur, the world's capital gemstone, where the crown jewels were actually made. Well, this is a mission business because the woman who started it gives all the proceeds to the beautiful jewelry you see on the screen to an Indian community that includes a leopard community. So just know when you buy her jewelry, it goes to a good purpose. And right now she's offering to my listeners, my watchers, a 25% discount. All you do is when you go to gemsofjapur.shop and you select something before you pay, put the word Valerie, that's my name, in the checkout and you'll get a 25% discount. All right, so let's go. You know, have you ever talked yourself into something that you just already knew was not the right decision? In fact, it was the wrong one. Of course you have. We all do. Think about the job that you took once that you knew in your gut wasn't the right one. Or the car you bought when you really shouldn't have. We've all made decisions that we knew in our depth of our hearts and toes wasn't the right one. We can rationalize anything, you know. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Dr. Trillian Small is my guest, and she has lived her story herself. And she wants to help others understand why women in particular, but maybe both people, 
make mistakes in their spouses. So welcome, Dr. Small. May I call you Trillion? You may call me Trillion. Thank that's, you so much. It, thank you for being here. I have to ask the name Trillion. That's a beautiful name. Thank it's like you. billion, Trillion, yes, Billion. It is. How did you get that name? Very simply, my parents said before I was born, they said, she's going to be our trillion dollar baby. <laughs> and hence came Trillion Small. It's funny uh, though, I'm like, that's an oxymoron, trillion, small, it but is. it's all a perspective. Small can be large. I just need one trillion and I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> when you get there, would you let me know? I sure will. <laughs> remember uh, the people I in the past. I remember you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so trillion, there are so many questions that I, I want to ask. And I need to tell you audience her credentials because they're great. First of all, she is a PhD in clinical counseling at the University of Texas at Dallas. She has a practice. Her practice is called Nurturing Fit Brains. <laughs> Nurturing Fit Brains. I love that. She's a licensed marriage and family uh, therapist and a sports performance psychology consultant and mental performance coach for the Dallas Jackals. That is the major league rugby team. So tell us about why people make poor choices. Yeah, it truly just depends on the circumstance, right? So if we're going to stick with the relationships, mm -hmm. I, for example, had one client and she just picked every single wrong guy and I could relate. I'm like, been there, done that. I have picked my share of wrong men. One thing in particular that I realized with her is she felt her time was ticking. She was like, I have got oh. to get married. My eggs are in cooking in here now, right? They're about to boil. I need a husband, <laughs> right? Wrong reason. <laughs> right. And so she felt the time is against me. I just need to pick the next best thing that's coming. That's not going to be crazy, right? And I, she did she admit that? She admitted it. She said, I just need to be married. I just need to, I just need to have my kiddos, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. she admitted that. But ultimately what she was saying was, I don't feel that I'm worthy enough to receive exactly what it is that I desire, right? Which is a man of great quality, a great a man of great standards, right? There's other times, right? Like you said, we have buyer's remorse. We, we purchase that home or we purchase that car and yeah. months or maybe years later, we're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> but sometimes we don't think. And that's the problem. One of my favorite quotes is, quotes is from, uh, I believe his name is um, Albert Switzer, the late Albert Switzer. He said, the problem with most men and women is they do not think. And so I think if I think if we would take the time to think about what we are doing, we would probably not make so many decisions that we've made. So this resonates on so many levels. Yeah. Thank God. And I do mean that. Thank you. <laughs> I have been happily married to the same man oh, for amazing. all my life. Uh, but through the years in my coaching end of the business, I've had people say, well, you know, Valerie, I married this person because I thought I could change them. Ooh. Have you heard that? I've heard that so many times because we are people who really do see past. We do see a purpose and we do see hope in other people, right? It's, I always tell people, do not marry potential. Do not marry, do not potential. marry potential. Everybody has potential, right? But if yeah. the other person on the other end does not want to step up to the level of their potential, you are going to have failed expectations and failed expectations lead to what? Disappointment. Okay. So give me a story on that because I expect I, if I were in the, those shoes uh -huh. and a positive person that I am, mm -hmm. I would think, well, 
trillion, I can change that person because I am a loving person and I'm going to love this person into changing mm -hmm. and they're going to see it through me and I'm going to be a role model, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. Well, then you are now a mentor. Oh, <laughs> well, that puts it in perspective. I was like, just, just be their mentor, right? And then their mentee, <laughs> because it's that's that's the goal with mentorship, right? It's like, I'm here to be your cheerleader. I am here to help you change. But there's an understanding of I, both of you all understand, I want to get to this point and I'm going to help you get to that point. If in the relationship, the other person does not say, I want to change, then you, if you're setting yourself up by saying, I'm getting in here with the goal of you changing, you're setting yourself up. And that's selfish, actually. That's actually very selfish, selfish, right? Instead, just say, hey, I'm just going to be the best version of myself. And hopefully, hopefully in that relationship, you will see enough within yourself to say, maybe I can be better as well. Oh, well, that would be a good thing. That would be a good thing. But again, it's not hanging your hat on. I'm only loving them unconditionally because I hope then they will in return reciprocate. So that makes good sense. Yeah. Now my logic brain is kicking in here. Yeah. What do you say to the person you're dating to set boundaries or to have that conversation? Mm -hmm. I mean, what's that about? Yeah, you you from the beginning, you set your expectations, right? But one of the things that I've learned so much is there, there are times where you have to put your preferences and your expectations to the side. And I know some people are like, no, I got mm. my standards. I'm like, yes, keep your standards, right? Mm -hmm. And there are a certain level of expectation you should have, right? So I expect that you are going to respect me and you're not gonna you know, punch me in the face. I think that's a fair <laughs> expectation, right? That's pretty fair. But if I am solely going in with the thought of whatever my expectation is, you have to succumb to it. That's also very selfish. So it's when two people come together, they say, well, these are my values and this is what I expect. Values. Values. Let's start there. Yes. Let me interrupt a minute. Yes. That is so core, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Right. We create this list and I, I'm one as well. I used to have a list of like 50 things a guy must have. Mm -hmm. And I realized as I've gotten older, the list has gotten shorter, not because I've begin realizing I need to settle. It's not that it's, I realize the only thing that really matters is my values. So what are your top, uh, you're not married. No, I'm not married yet. You're an unclaimed gem. I'm unclaimed. So, hey. Oh, audience, <laughs> do you see this beautiful woman? And you'll know how to reach her at the end of the show. Yes. <laughs> I'm unclaimed as of yet. So act now. <laughs> so Trillian, what are your top three? I will say three is a good number. Yes. Top three things that you just, they're solid. You will yeah. not settle for less. Yes. One of them is he is a worshiper. I'm a believer mm. and I firmly believe if he cannot enter into the presence of God, it's going to be really difficult, right? Um, I honor and one. I respect and I want to submit, but if you aren't even submitted to God, mm -hmm. we're going to have a, we're going to have a tussle. You know, stop there a minute yeah. because that's core. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. coming from a faith standpoint that's internal Definitely. in yourself yes. and no one can take that away. Nobody can. And so if the other person isn't maybe mm -hmm. even another let's just say another culture that would be mm -hmm. very difficult there's that situation Definitely. too i mean you're just going to walk away right I would, are you i mean what would you say to people yeah there are times where i just realize okay if you are not my person then i'm here to teach you something and you are here to teach me something right sometimes we go into meeting people and we just automatically say are you my husband or are you my wife or not 
right? And it's like, why do you do that? Yeah, really. <laughs> and it's like, I need, I just need to know, are you my husband or not? The, I think a better question is, you're here for a reason. What's the reason? I'm in your life for a reason. What's the reason? Now, that's a good question. Everybody that comes into your life is a professor. Now, whether they are in your life, they're only there for a semester. Maybe it's maybe it's four years, or maybe they're there for a lifetime. It's just you're my professor, and mm. I'm your professor. Let's learn. That's beautiful. Yeah. All right, so that's that's one. That's one Faith. worship, okay. and of course, correlating with that is also prayer, right? Um, I I have seen time and time again prayer changing people's lives and changing their relationships, and I really believe. If he, and it's not just about, you know, like, okay, Lord, I just thank you for my food. Not that, I don't mean just that. It's when you're making decisions, who are you consulting? Good point. Right? I want to know who are you consulting first? Who are you consulting first? Mm -hmm. All right, if I'm going to follow you. And then the last one, I mean, there's others as well. There's only about 12. But the third one I would say is his, does he love people? Does he uh, love people? What does that tell right. you about him He's, or her? He, that tells me he's selfless. Right. If he can say, I care about you and I love you and I'm I'm willing to give the shirt off of my back, then he's going to do that for me as well. Mm -hmm. He's going to do that for our kiddos. I just need to know, do you have a caring and a loving heart? Right. Or are you like, oh, that person's struggling. Who cares? I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. what happens if at some point myself or someone in my family, mm -hmm. you know, is in that same predicament? I want to know that you have a caring heart. Great. I love that. I would also ask in terms of um, those those values that you have and sharing theirs, that mm -hmm. always tells you something. Yeah. How important is it to have some marriage counseling ahead of time? I'm a little biased, of course, because I'm a therapist. And so I would say it is 100% vital. And I would go a step further from just premarital counseling and say, how about you get pre-engagement counseling? I didn't know there was such a thing. There is such a thing, right? It's, it's just two couples coming in and saying, we are considering taking our relationship to the next level. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure, because usually once you get the ring, mm -hmm. they're, they're probably locked in. Even, even if they know, and as you said early on, most women, I believe you said it was 30% of women mm -hmm. know uh, before they got married that he wasn't the one. And went ahead. <laughs> and oh, you went ahead. Yeah. And sometimes it's because they have the ring, they've already right. paid for the, the dress. And so it's like, well, no turning back now. Maybe it's going to get better. But it's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not going to happen. And you know what I did actually? What? Oh, I shouldn't tell this, but I will <laughs> since I opened it. Yes. I actually did that to my wonderful husband. You did? Yes. We were too young. I knew it. I came from an extremely dysfunctional family, mm -hmm. did not have parents growing up. Yeah. I was scared to death once I saw that ring, just exactly mm. what you said. Wow. Yeah. And I gave it back. Wow. And he said to me, well, if I'm still around when you decide, call me. Wow. And he left. Wow. And then I was yeah, it's like, good oh. news is he came back. He came I back. asked him to, and I said, okay. Oh, so good. So, but, all right. So engagement counseling. Mm -hmm. And so good. it really helps individuals just really assess, are we compatible, right? Do our values match the way that we want to raise our children, right? So many times people, they come in and it's, we're having arguments about how we're raising the kids or about financing or just about sex expectations, mm -hmm. right? Those are so many factors that really do hinder a relationship. And if you can discuss it early on and ask and actually ask each other, is this something I'm willing to budge on? I've seen, I've seen individuals where uh, there's issues with who's friends with who, Right, especially if it's the opposite sex, mm -hmm. and and they're like, we're not budging on it, and so I'm like, do you want to get married? Realizing they're not budging, 
So, so what of, yes. Yeah. And what are of the things you mentioned that come up in marriage and maybe even before Mm -hmm. finances, sex, whatever, what do you find is the number one over and over again issue with couples? Yeah. Well, the umbrella would be communication. And then, because it's just, we struggle with communicating about everything underneath that. Rarely have I seen finances. It's really sex or intramarital uh, or extramarital affairs. Really? I've seen that. Not as, finance. Not not finance. Huh. At least not within my practice. That is very common, but not within my practice. It's normally, and I think it's because my, my training is relationship trauma. Mm. So I typically attract those individuals who have trauma relationally within their relationship, right? So extramarital affairs or... You know, it's pre-marital, it's premarital, so it's just how do we handle um, the baby mother or the baby father, right? That's outside of the relationship, mm-hmm. and there's just issues with that. And so that's primarily primarily what comes to me as well. It's just the relationship aspect. Fascinating. Yeah. I want to get to your TED talk in a moment, but okay. before I do, I'm curious about your work with this rugby team. Uh-huh. What are you doing with them? Yeah, so I'm the mental performance coach. And so it's similar to a therapist, but we don't go as deep. It's really just helping them take, and they're already all amazing guys, right? So they don't really need extra additional help. But it's just for anybody who says, I am here at this level, and I would like to take my performance to the next level, mm-hmm. right? On and off the field. So let's say, um, if an individual, and I work with other athletes as well, basketball and, and football, but let's say uh, they they freeze up, right? Or they they don't thrive under pressure very well. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, that's going to affect your game, sure. right? Or it's, you know, I have so much performance anxiety to the point where I lock up, right? I work with some volleyball players as well. And they're just like, oh, I don't want to, you know, disappoint, yeah. upset my coach. All of that is a mental so game. Tough. Yeah. And once you get to the professional level, the beautiful thing is everybody has skills. Right. Right. So the, the determining factor that sets you apart from everybody that has skill, because you're all professional players, right? right? So yes. obviously you have some sort of skill because you're here. Yes. It's their mindset, mm-hmm. right? Over and over again, we, we preach like what's going on up here, mm-hmm. because what happens here is going to affect your emotions, which the brain. then drives the exactly. Brain, the brain. The I brain. love the brain. I'm in the behavioral brain science department at UTD, and I fell in love with studying the brain. Because I was more when people get a doctoral degree, they're normally probably trying to study themselves, especially if it's in psychology. Isn't that true? I've seen <laughs> I that. Like, I need to figure myself out. What is going on with you? <laughs> and that's what my dissertation was about. It's just what is going on up here? Yeah. And I would go to my therapist, but it was just talk therapy. So what we're doing now, the back and forth is just talk therapy. But I was like, it's this is not it's not cutting it. Hmm. There's something deeper. And I said, we got to look at the organ. What's up here? This whole brain. And that's when I fell in love with. All right. Well, that leads to it's amazing the brain. Yeah. I've stu- I've studied it too mm-hmm. in terms of how the brain works when I am presenting to an audience mm-hmm. and how to make sure my presentation is the way someone's brain is accepting Definitely. the information. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the TED Talk. And for those of you listening or watching, uh, she did a fabulous TED Talk that you can Google mm-hmm. at, at SMU, uh-huh, right? Exactly. Uh-huh, SMU. All right. You said so many things on that TED Talk about what we're discussing. Yeah. Give us the highlights of what you'd like to bring to the audience today. Yeah, so the title, you can just go on YouTube. It's um, Overcoming the Fear of Love. And similar to my dissertation, I was trying to figure myself out because I would push away so many good guys. 
Hmm. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Why, when there's a bad guy, I'm like, oh yeah, like, let me, let me pursue, let me focus on him. Let me do, you know, X, Y, and Z to make sure I lock him in. But then this awesome guy who is asking me questions and he's wanting to take me on dates. I'm like, leave me alone. Like, why are you, why are you pursuing me? What's wrong with you? Fascinating. Right. And I started to ask myself, well, actually, Trillian, let's hold up the mirror. What's wrong with you? Why would you continue to push away this healthy guy, which you're saying you want, mm-hmm. but when you're placed, when it's placed in front of you, you run from it. And I discovered I was so afraid. I had no idea that I was afraid of love. And I didn't even know that was possible. Because you think mm-hmm. love is beautiful, right? I, I asked one client once, I said, when you think of the word love, what comes to mind? They said abuse. Oh, right? most people say, oh, fluffy butterflies and, you know, good feels. But I began to realize love doesn't mean the same thing for everybody. For some, love means abuse because mother or father, when they said I loved you, it followed with a slap if you didn't do something right. Oh, my right? God. So you now have this confusion of, well, is this love? Mm-hmm. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that was my understanding of love so in the ted talk i help not just ladies but also men it's funny normally the people that reach out to me are ladies and then the boyfriends of the ladies (laughs) they'll say this is such my girlfriend like what do i do please help me help her (laughs) right it's all like dms or whatever yeah i'm like oh poor guy i'm like she's giving you a run for your money i know because i was her (laughs) well it helps that she i mean it's terrible to say but you're talking from experience definitely So you were uh, coming from a place of fear Mm -hmm. and? Yeah, I was coming from a place of fear because of my upbringing, right? With my father, who I actually have a relationship with now. But at the time, um, he was. He was alcoholic. He was abusive to some family members. And that's what I saw. Mm. And what's important for those who have kiddos, it's Mm -hmm. even if you don't think they're seeing, even if you don't think they're listening, Mm -hmm. even if it's behind closed doors, you are showing them what love is. The question is, what's their definition going to be when they leave your house? Is it like my client who love is abuse or Mm. is it no love is gentle, love is kind, love is, you know, love is nurturing? I would hope it would be the latter. And so that was my experience. And so I think I began, not I think I know, after my experience with my father, uh, years and years later, as I became a teenager and a, a young adult, I just began to pursue men like my father, which I didn't know. That's what I was doing. He was very dismissive. It's just very uh, not a, not available, right? We talk a lot about emotionally unavailable people, but yet you continue to pursue the man who you see is not emotionally available. Now, can I can I interrupt a yeah. second? Because I have seen this in in situations uh, where exactly that trillion, where a father was anything but a good father, mm-hmm. and yet the daughter throughout her life, one in particular, continues to do everything to please him. I mean, even making chocolate chip cookies for him. And what's that about? Yeah, that's her normal, right? There are so many times once you get out of an abusive relationship, whether it's with a parent or what have you, it's not until you are faced with normal and healthy that you begin to question, well, I thought that was normal. Uh, so it was the normal. It was that the normal sense. for her, right? It was the norm, which means she's going to look for her norm. Everybody does that, right? I, you, you find your comfort zone. And if comfort your comfort zone is abuse, that's what you search for. Not it, it's, it's usually subconscious. You're not saying, I'm going to go find me an abusive guy. No. You're just finding your tribe. That's what you're used to. So for example, if we were to go to the zoo and we were to see the beautiful lion standing in the window, um, if he was born in the zoo, 
he would be like, oh, people. Well, I don't know what he was saying in his head, but let's assume <laughs> let's assume he had words, right? Right. He would say, oh, look, people. Oh, look, there's my feeder. It's three o'clock. Now, if we go to Africa and we take a lion from Africa and we bring him over here to the Texas Zoo and he was to see us, he'll probably be like, what are you? Who are you? And I'm about to eat you, <laughs> right? Because that's not his norm. Right. So, so if we take the lion that was born in the zoo and we put him out in the wild, he's going he's gonna to be like, this is not normal. Where is my feeder? It's three o'clock. What's going on? Right? But it's, Good analogy. Yeah, it's not until you ease him out. If you just take a, a zoo lion and you throw him out there, he's going to get killed, hmm. even though that's his natural habitat. Mm -hmm. So then he's going to revert back to his comfort. We do the same thing as humans, right? It's it makes whatever sense. your normal is. But the only way you do it is you ease your way into it. The same way we would, if we were to, if it was completely dark and then you were to flick these lights on, your eyes would hurt. Yes. The light's not bad. Uh, it's just you you should have eased yourself into it. And that's how it is when you shift from unhealthy relationships to a healthy relationship, you're easing yourself into it. Otherwise, you're going to revert back to what you're used to because it's going to feel painful, although it's good for you. What great information. Yeah. I'm learning so much. Thank you. So to add on to that, one of the things you said is a teachable point of view from your perspective mm -hmm. is that you came from a place that you realize there's a choice. There is. When do, you, when do these people who are going through this journey mm -hmm. get to the point, and how do they get to the point where they realize, okay, what happened to you I on that? You realized you had a choice. Right, yeah. So it was in my therapy session, and I discovered, oh, I thought I didn't have a choice because my choice was taken from me when I was younger. That's one of the things that when you're, especially if you're abused as a child or teenager, that's the one thing that's taken from you, your choice. You didn't have a choice. You didn't choose to be abused. You didn't choose to be raped or molested. You didn't choose that. You didn't choose the family that you were born into. You just happened to be born into that family. And one thing that we feel is, well, I don't have choices as you get older. But what I, when I finally discovered, oh, I could actually choose whether I'm gonna allow my anxiety to run me down the street or not. Cause I used to be extremely anxious to the point where you can say one thing that would provoke anxiety within me and days would pass and I'm still anxious about it. Hmm. And I being the uh, stubborn person I am at times said, I refuse, I refuse to live a life and believe that this is my lot at life. I don't believe that. I don't believe I have to just struggle with PTSD for the rest of my life. And so I went on a hunt <laughs> and I said, how can I choose otherwise? And it's a challenge. Oh, it's a challenge. Because again, you're creating new grooves in your brain mm -hmm. that normally it's, nope, be anxious, nope, be anxious. And that's easy. That's the easy route to take. But if you're going to realize you have choice, most people don't because it's our brains are, sounds funny, but humans are lazy. <laughs> our brain is like, it's called the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. We like to take the easiest route. Now, some people are, they thrive and they're successful in it. And some people are just lazy and they're lazy. Right. But if your brain says, be anxious, be anxious, be anxious. If you finally insert a new bit of information and says that says, no, we can actually be calm. Your brain if, at first is going to reject it. It's like, no, we're anxious. <laughs> but you have to every single time you say, no, we're not. We're calm. We can be calm. And eventually you'll create new grooves here and this will become the new normal. And this will be more obsolete. That's just fascinating. Yeah. And I know it's true. It takes it's like, work. It's like the little, I mean, as you're talking, uh -huh. I'm picturing, you maybe are too, audience, where the little pathways, it's <laughs> like a little road and yeah. they get they get uh, mm -hmm. ruts in them. Yeah. 
And you've got to smooth that over and get different. Definitely. <laughs> it's like the neurons in your brain, right? The neurons right. that fire together, wire together. But it takes consistency to build a habit. That's all it is, building a habit. Consistency mm -hmm. and habits. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole nother show. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Trillian. So tell us about the, um, the fact that you felt that growing is, is sometimes, um, how did you say it so elegantly, to grow? You must change. You must be willing to change. change. Yeah. You must be willing to change. Definitely. I used to always ask people, do you want to grow? And they're like, yeah, I want to grow. Mm -hmm. And then when I give them homework that requires change, they resist. And I'm like, I thought you said you want to grow. You ask an oak tree, will it ever be an acorn? In order to grow, you must change, mm -hmm. right? Ask the butterfly, will it ever become a caterpillar again? No, it won't, right? Because in order to grow, you must change. And it's the exact same way with human beings. If you want to truly grow, it's not that you're not good enough. You are solid as you are, but there are still some fundamental things that must change just because, and people, I hear this all the time, well, this is just the way I am. Oh, and I'm, yes. I'm like, oh, are you? Oh, really? Yeah. Or is that is that conditioning? Mm -hmm. Have you just been conditioned to believe that you are a shy person or was it your sixth grade teacher that embarrassed you in front of the classroom and now you're a shy person, right? Good oh, point. I just tell it like it is. Oh, do you? Yeah. Or at some point, did your voice get silenced and you decided I'm never going to let anybody tell me what to do, right? So many times our behavior and our personality is simply a conditioned behavior that we repeat over and over and over again. Those same ruts. Same ruts. <laughs> we got to get out of the rut. <laughs> and another thing you shared with me, I thought was a wonderful statement that inconvenience is not always inconvenience. Where did that come from, Trillian? I was at a Dallas Cowboys football game. And my mother and I, I, so my mother and I were in the front seat. My nephew was in the back. He was maybe seven or eight at the time. And we hadn't, of course, had, we didn't have a parking uh, pass yet. So we were driving. Of course, it's traffic like crazy. And there were the gentlemen that were like knocking on, not knocking on windows, but they were going around saying, we got tickets for parking. So we're like, oh yeah, great. So we rolled the window down and the gentleman says, yeah, this is a parking pass for the parking lot right there, which was like a couple of feet away. So we're like, oh, perfect. perfect. 50 bucks. Here you go. And he walks off and I, we get in the car and I'm looking for the number that's on the front of the ticket. It was, I forget what it was. Let's just say it's like 4C, I'm making stuff up, but it's like 4C, which is right there to the left, right? So we're like, okay, great, go find 4C parking. And I look to the left and I'm like, that says 11. He said this was 4C. So I flipped on the back and had the map of the entire arena as well as the parking. The one he gave us was actually the furthest parking spot away. Oh no! And we were and we were we were flipping no. out. We were looking for him. We we're like, oh my god! Like he, you know, he scammed us. We need a different ticket. So we couldn't do anything about it. We paid our fifty bucks already. So we took our little sad hearts and we drove all the way. It took about a few minutes to get to the furthest parking lot. Mm -hmm. Once we got there, they had a, a a shuttle to come pick us up. That's how far we were. Right, the little go kart shuttle. We get, and we're still complaining. We're still fussing like, oh my God, we can't believe this man. We get to the front and as soon as we get off the go-kart, the young lady says, did you all just get off the go-kart? And we say, yes. She, say, she said, great, this is your line. And the line that she directed us to had nobody in it. The other line had hundreds and hundreds of people. And so when she said that, we burst into <laughs> laughter like, oh my God, this is the best experience. I, I'm so glad we got the worst parking spot. It, the only reason we stood in that line is because we got off the go-kart. Oh. And so I, we, I realized in that day, inconveniences aren't that bad. 
Mm. And so normally it's hindsight because, again, I said we were complaining the whole time. Now when I'm inconvenienced and I'll catch myself, I'm like, oh, this is an inconvenience. I'll stop and say, oh, this is about to be good. Right. And that's another <laughs> rut in the brain. Yeah. You just you just shift, right? Because it's easy to complain. It is. I did a 30-day no complaining challenge. It was the hardest thing I ever did, but it was <laughs> the most rewarding. Because I realized I complain about everything. Right? You're like, that's oh, the so- car jumped in front of me. Oh, the ketchup's too cold. Like, you know, whatever you complain about. 30-day challenge of no complaining. And you realize life is much more peaceful, peaceful when you're not complaining. What a great idea (laughs) to sort of sum all of this up, Mm -hmm. Trillian. Okay, audience, I'm going to take that uh, that, uh, challenge, Trillian, and I'm going to ask you all that are listening and watching, Mm -hmm. want to take it with me? I would love for you to, and when you do 30 days, okay, that's a month. So when 30 days is up, would you send me an email? Valerie at ValerieAndCompany.com and let me know. And then I'll let Trillian know. Let's do this. Let's do this. You want to? I want to. I'm going to do it again now. All right. We'll do it. We're on it. (laughs) Let's do it. We're on it. I love this. (laughs) No complaints. This has been so awesome. What question might you want me to ask you that maybe no one else has? Yeah. How do I, what's one thing I can do to shift from this path to the next? I get that question so often, right? Good. Um, one thing you can do is, I, use, I call it a period test, right? So not your cycle, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the punctuation period. We are, we are keen and kings and queens of jumping to conclusions, right? Which is this groove, right? It's uh, they didn't call me back; they must be cheating. They mm. didn't text me back; they must they must be ghosting me. You know, whatever your mind says. I, I use a period test and it, it will save you from jumping to conclusions. The period test is this, punctuation. I text Billy Bob, period. He must be cheating. Erase that because that's now an assumption. We're only filling in the blanks with facts. Great. I call Billy Bob, period. He didn't text me back. That's a fact, period. We leave it there. Mm-hmm. And then you go on about your merry way. You shift your focus because you realize I can only fill in the next blank with another fact, which means you have to wait until Billy Bob texts you back. Or if he doesn't, you, you, you may say, I called Billy Bob, called him, texted him. He didn't text me back. It's been a week. He still hasn't texted me back. And you leave it there. And the, the reason why that helps is our brains do not like ambiguity. We don't like ambiguity. We don't like the unknown. We're just afraid of it. And we, our brains try to fill in the missing pieces. So that's why you fill in those stories. Mm-hmm. One thing I tell myself now, when I can create a whole scenario, I'm like, Disney, Pixar, you guys should hire me. Cause I can, <laughs> I can create some of the craziest stories in my head. So I'll stop myself now and I'll say, Trillion, wow, you are creative. You just created that whole scenario Story. in your head. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes is by Mark Twain. He says, I've been through some terrible things in my life, some of which actually happened, which Truth. means it was all here. Truth. Yeah. So we when you use the, the period stories. test, I don't care what the situation is, mm-hmm. whether it's at work, coworker, family, friend, use the period test. Mm-hmm. And that's going to challenge you for one, to learn how to be present, two, yes. stop looking in the past, mm-hmm. three, stop looking too far ahead. Because when you create assumptions, you're looking too far ahead and that creates anxiety. Boom. Stay here in the present. Trillion, this has been amazing. Thank you, Valerie. For a lot of reasons. (laughs) And and one of them is, audience, I'm sure you have realized you are an incredible storyteller. 
And Thank I've you. said on the air before in my coaching and leadership workshops, I talk about and help people create stories, mm -hmm. even in their PowerPoint, even in facts, even in a graph. Yeah. You've got to do that storytelling. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you back to the brain. Uh -huh. I was told, you tell me if this is myth or reality, okay. that when, the, when you are telling a story, the story hits both introverts and extroverts because it goes across the, is it the corpus callosum mm -hmm. in the back? Uh -huh. I'll stop there. Now, scientist, person, <laughs> fill it in. Why is that true? Yeah, so the corpus callosum is throughout the, it's the separation between your left and right hemisphere. Mm -hmm. And so what storytelling does is it helps, it taps into images, mm -hmm. right? So as I was talking about the zoo, you probably saw the lion at the window. Oh, absolutely. Right? And so what that does, our brains remember things best when it has a picture to it. When there's something they can associate with it. I even, when I train my speakers, because you know I do TEDx Frisco as well, I tell them you have to use association. When I did my TED talk, as I was talking, I literally was walking, not literally, metaphorically, I was walking through my apartment in my head mm -hmm. because that's the only way I could memorize a 19 minute speech. So when I said in the very beginning of my talk, I said, I love movies. I was literally at the time when I was practicing, sitting on my couch with a remote in my hand. So as I'm speaking, using imagery, mm -hmm. my mind says, oh, yes, we're talking about movies because we're sitting on the couch. Mm -hmm. Right. And so whenever you as you're, you're training your individuals to use storytelling, people are going to remember the stories way better than everything else you've said. Right. And as long as you can have a story with teaching in it, that's the best way to do it. It's mm -hmm. story and there's teaching within the story. Right. And people will remember Make that. the point. Yep. I have found that to be true. Yep. So I'm still true. doing it. Absolutely. <laughs> this is just really fabulous. Where can people, and I'm sure you're going to get a lot of calls, where can people reach you for, for what? <laughs> what for what kind of counseling would from this audience, would yeah. people come to you for? Yeah, so I just do mental health therapy, whether it's anxiety, or, you know, depression, PTSD, relationship concerns. I just want to be a better me. If you're thinking about getting into a relationship, I would say a healthy me is required to have a healthy we. So whether if you're That's single true. or not, you mm -hmm. need to be, you need to be a solid person. Um, so they can find me at trillionsmall.com at my website, LinkedIn, social media. Um, what am I else? Facebook and Instagram as well. So at drtrillionsmall.com. Of course, the mental performance. So for those who say, well, I don't, I've done my, you know, counseling work. I don't have anxiety or depression. I just want to, I'm here, but I don't want to go another level. Right? Performance. So that's, that's performance, right? Does it, performance is, is, is anybody. Every, if this yep. is a performance, right? Yes. I mean, we're not acting, you know, but, but this, you are, you are doing your job. You're, you are performing, right? And so it's, um, yeah, any, any form of performance as well. And public speaking, if people are interested in learning more about public speaking as And well. TED Talks, if you're getting ready to do a TED Talk. Yeah. Yes. I would say you're a woman of many talents, Trillian. <laughs> and you. I thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for it's having me. It's been, been awesome. a pleasure. Thank you so much. Might Valerie. have to do this in another couple of years mm -hmm. and for sure. Yeah. Definitely. For sure, when you find that special person, yes. we want you to come back with the special person. I'm going to bring them Is on. Is that here. a deal? That's a deal. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. And audience, before we go, um, I just want to ask you again a little bit more about you. And, and it has to do with your impact and your influence. I mentioned earlier, it takes two things. It takes how you show up, your presence, and your brand. So here's my question. How many of you think you have a brand? 
Second question, how many of you can clearly articulate that brand? Well, here's the facts. Uh, there was research, oh, I don't know, maybe, I'd say it's been about 15 years ago or so, but it's research that continues. And so from the day it started until today, the survey at first was 3,000 people. Now multiply that by I don't know how many. But it, the fact is they stay the same numbers, and here it is. 53% of people still today say, yeah, I have a brand. 73% say, no, I can't really explain my brand. <laughs> so there's a disconnect, isn't there, There's Trillion? definitely a disconnect. <laughs> yeah. And to add to that, 48 say, I'm just really not sure. So if you want to be sure, please email me, Valerie at ValerieAndCompany.com. I would love to work with you. And that's it for today. But I do want to end with a Valerieism, which I usually do. And these are just my little things that come into my head. Something to share with you at the end. Well, today it's this one. When you notice a rotten root, you'll notice a rotten fruit. I say that again? That's good. <laughs> what do you think that about that, Trillian? That is beautiful. Say that again. <laughs> when you notice, oh, you can have that. When you notice a rotten root, you'll notice a rotten fruit. Now, I know where Trillian would take that, <laughs> and I'm probably going to be on the same route, mm -hmm. but here it is. There have been times, and haven't there been in yours, where you had that sense, this person, that you're either going to befriend, work for, work with, buddy up to, fall in love with, whatever. When you see those things that are not quite a fresh, wonderful mm, fruit, take heed. I wish I had learned this, honestly, a long time ago. There was this time when I was in business with someone, which I will never do again. And this person was unfortunately a rotten fruit and everything that goes with it. So don't make that mistake. That's my story. Sticking to it. Have another cup of coffee. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically. <laughs>